It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Members, friends and players, good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. And I'll be here entertaining you on this Friday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. She stood there bright as the sun on that California coast. He was a Midwestern boy on his own. This afternoon, we are heading out to the left coast, L.A. to be specific, as we have a really engaging guest. But first, a special thanks to all of those who continue to take care of all of us. Let's just follow their example and spend a little time taking care of each other. Now... A little rock and roll to rev up this Friday afternoon. It's beautiful out, folks. If you're driving, roll them down and turn it up. Let's go. She took his hand and she led him along that golden beach. They watched the waves tumble over the sand. You know, we have one of golf's most passionate pundits today. His appreciation for the course and his modern perspective on the game are what make me a fan. An author of 11 books, he's written for Golf Digest, Sports Illustrated, the LA Times, and is currently a senior scribe for Golf Week. And you can commonly see him on the Golf Channel. He's Jeff Shackelford. It's great to have him on Springdale Golf Live today. Jeff, welcome to the Pro Show. What is life like in LA today? Uh, it's another beautiful sunny day in L.A., Keith, actually. A uh, little bit of curfew and, and other kind of issues that we've been dealing with, um, but otherwise uh, beautiful. Usually this is a gray time of year for us, and it's been very sunny and beautiful of late. We've uh, We've been enjoying that part of it. Well, we have similar weather on this end, so that won't be a distraction for either of us today. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate you joining me. Here's the history on this. A couple of years ago, I heard you in an interview and you were talking about what a golfer is. And I ask my guests this all the time. I say, could you please define what a golfer is in 2019, 2020? And when I heard your answer and you just talked about, you know, if someone's at Top Golf, they're a golfer. It, it was a very welcoming and a very broad answer. Um, that's where I want to start today. So could you, for my listeners, could you define what you believe a golfer is in 2020? I think it's anybody who who has an interest in, in the sport and uh, dabbles in it. And that's really all it needs to be. I, I guess it was more a reaction to, uh, well, just kind of my whole life that, that the idea you – uh, that the sport exuded to people was that to be a golfer, you you had to dress a certain way, have a handicap, be a member of a course or member of a local uh, golf association if you're a public course player. You, you, you just all these things you had to do, and you had to have full set of clubs and and on and on and on. And I, maybe it was a drive chip and putt or top golf. I'm not sure. Uh, it, probably a combination of these kinds of things where you realize, gosh, that's so obnoxious to uh, trying to bring new people in. And that, that you know, because maybe we all have the conversation too, Keith, you have with golf, with people who are interested in the sport, you probably do with, with new pupils. And you hear little comments where they'll sort of uh, put themselves down or they'll a little self-deprecating. Well, like I'm not a real golfer. I just, I'm just trying to learn. And you just think, Oh gosh, <laughs> what, how we, we just can't, we can't be that way. The game is so hard to, to, to master and it's intimidating and all these things. And why on earth 
would we want people to feel that one little extra layer of intimidation factor when it's just stupid? And and part of it too, I'll I'll be honest, is I'm basically a driving range golfer now. Well, this afternoon, we're, we're going to lead the charge in the other direction because I feel the same way as you. And, and that's why I wanted to start there is that if someone has interest in the game and they want to go hit the ball, no matter where they are, I'm all in. You yeah. know, I, that's the person I want to grow the game with. And, you know, we have this really unique opportunity, I feel like golf does, because in about a week, it's going to be the only professional sport that's back. I call this kind of world we're in right now the Great Reset. There's so many different things that are being reset in the world. And if we can reset the world, and I'll let you be the executive director of the USGA, and maybe I'll be the president of the PGA, how can we make golf, even the driving ranges, more welcoming to our definition of a golfer? Well, it feels like there has been progress on that front in terms of welcoming and, and different efforts. Uh, and Top Golf has played a great part in that, and uh, and just I think just sort of a general vibe that I've seen in the last five years, where 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 either younger golfers or older golfers realizing all those things that I just rambled on about that w- w- were considered essential. You know, eighteen holes is real golf, and it you know I mean that that's actually now that I think about it, that's really where it started was the idea that nine holes was not a legitimate golf experience. You know, things like that are just absurd and. I I really believe that we've had even before this pandemic, uh, not entirely, but a pretty nice awakening in the world of golf. That we're happy to have anybody who's at all interested, like you said, and just just being able to learn how to hit the ball and and go from there. And if if, t- if things like Top Golf bring you in, great. Uh, if you're just a range person, and yeah, and and that's great. Or you just want to tag along and and hit a few shots, and and, and when you're a kid which is how a lot of us got into the game, frankly. Um, that's a good thing, too. And the sport even discouraged things like that uh, for a long time, which was frustrating. You know, no spectators. Children under uh, 18 cannot come along. And God forbid, if we allow it, that they uh, they hit a shot or two and actually start to like the game and sign up for a series of lessons. So I, I do sense we've maybe in sports dwindling number of players have started to back off some of those things. Well, you know what, folks, if you're just joining us, we're on the line with Jeff Shackelford here. And one of the things that I brought him on for was that this idea, and you just brought it up there by using the word vibe, is that I think you have a really valuable perspective for the kind of latent golf interest person. You know, and, and in many ways, I feel like you point out things that a lot of people don't. It's almost like at times, and I, I hope you take this the right way, but um, I feel like you're like the Seinfeld of golf, right? That when I read what you do and when I see what you do on TV, you point out some really, really um, poignant things that, to me, at least make sense. And I'm so happy that you that you do bring these things up because it seems like you seem to draw in that next generation golfer. Why do you think it is that you're, what you do and what you write resonates so well with, let's say, the under 40 crowd? Let me finish writing that down. The Seinfeld of I like this. That's I'm going to use that as a blurb on my next uh, my next book if I ever write another book. Um, uh, well, thank you, Keith. That's very nice. I um, I think I I would I guess my because I am 48, so I'm beyond the the, the coveted millennial demographic. But I would uh, suspect that it has less to do with what I actually do and and more of the things that I've been passionate about in the game that uh, I've been pretty pretty consistent for a while on certain things and writing about them. And it just happens, though, that we have a, a generation now that's coming along 
and they don't know a lot about the history of the sport, which can be a little bit dispiriting sometimes. But the the uplifting thing is that when you highlight things that have gone on in the past or it, or, or why certain issues uh, are a matter and when you make the comparison to things in the past, that we have a, a group that maybe they haven't gone back and read a lot of the old books about what used to go on, but they have an open mind about those things. And they're actually even more than an open mind. They're, they're kind of drawn to the game, but they're searching for questions about why, why do, why do the, the tours of the world have to play 72 holes every week? And why do the greens need to be 14 on the stint meter? And, and what's the appeal of a 365 yard draw, uh, drive when it, you know, it seems neat on paper, but then I see it and it really doesn't do much for me. Things like that. So that's been encouraging to see uh, that that there is this kind of um, younger spirit that's that's come along and, and been happy to embrace the things that they see as beautiful about the sport and use new media to, to kind of highlight that, but then also to question some of these values and stuffy old ways that um, uh, really are, I think, off-putting to a lot of people. Well, when you bring up that phrase, younger spirit, all right, and I, I want to kind of take a deeper dive into this, because in a lot of ways, I feel like you're a mentor to this like next generation golf thinker. And, and I'm talking about guys like Tom Coyne and Andy Johnson and Eric Anders Lang or Chris Solomon, you know, that crew, mm-hmm. because, you know, this this like wave of momentum, this golf perspective that they're presenting is very popular and it's ve- it has a great vibe and it's very hip and it's helped growing the game. But I mean, you were a decade before them when you started your blog back in 2003, it at a minimum a decade before them. Right. So, you know, as a mentor to these guys, you know, in creating this modern golf perspective, what's it like now to see these guys kind of follow in the different things that you have been pointing out? I mean, is it fun for you? Does it make you proud? Yeah, it makes me, I don't know about proud. I don't, I I won't take uh, credit for what they do, but it sure makes me feel uh, great and excited about the prospects for the sport because they have so much, uh, influence and and just knowing, uh, you know, like the the blog you mentioned, I started in, in in response to a book I wrote called The Future of Golf, which tackled a lot of the issues in the game in 2003, and and then it, it, I self published it, and it came out in a year later from a, a, a normal publisher, and. At the time, a lot of those things, again, were kind of causing me to not get certain writing work. You know, there's a whole business element to the sport that doesn't like some of these issues brought up. And and to see now that a lot of those topics, when they come up today, where I was a leper um, 16, 15, 17, 18 years ago, uh, now we're having a lot more discussion about those things. And the, the majority is now starting to question what is really uh, that important to the sport. And the number one thing, obviously, that's most exciting in all of this is that in that time, since I wrote that book and, and at the same time, Gil Hansen and I had done a course in Southern California called Rustic Canyon. And believe it or not, at the time, the word fun in golf was it wasn't a dirty word. Um, and I And I think you're probably old enough, Keith, probably to know this, but it was a word that was not really valued and treasured. And it would even be a demeaning word to certain courses. Like, oh, it's a, it's a fun course. 
Uh, but it's not capable, the code for it's not capable of hosting the U.S. Open. It's not of championship quality, you know, that Judge Smales would, would adore. And now everybody wants to know what anybody's doing to make golf more fun and to bring pleasure. And that's kind of where I've always come from in this with the old architects who I worshipped. You know, everything about them was was pleasure at the time. That was the word they used. Now we use the word fun. But the main point is we, at times in the, the history of the sport, have gotten away from that and gone to this weird sort of penal, uh, demanding, make it hard, hard is good. Uh, and, and it's just so, it's just not fun to play. It's intimidating to new people. It's dire, dour and cynical and depressing. And so I just, I just love that the, in, in a matter of about 15 years, we've seen this pivot to where uh, the emphasis is on on what can make uh, going to a golf course fun and playing around fun. And um, I, it, it's just beyond exciting to see how that word now is a good thing, <laughs> which is hard to believe probably to somebody listening to this who, who was thinking, well, of course it's about fun. If it's not about fun, what's the point? Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I know that my listeners who are tuned in right now and, and anyone that follows this show are all laughing to themselves because, and we're just meeting today, but the sign that hangs above my door at the club uh, calls me not the director of golf, not the head golf professional, mm. but I am the director of fun. Yeah. And that's Great. the way that I look at my role each day. Um, that's my philosophy. That's my mantra. It's how can I have my members and their guests have more fun on a daily basis? And anytime you know, we could put a smile on a golfer's face as a PGA professional or just anyone in general, someone like you who's trying to promote the game. I believe that we all need to work on changing the way people perceive the game. I mean, that's that's my why statement, you know, at the end of the day. And that's why I became the director of fun. And it, it's so great to have you say that. And folks, it's also great to have on the air with us today. His name's Jeff Shackelford. He's a writer. He's a performer on the Golf Channel. He's written 11 books. And he's also an architecture, golf architecture expert. And we're going to get into this more as the show continues here. But I want to start with this question. It's so funny to me, as a PGA professional, all of my members, all these years, and you're right, I'm in my mid-40s, just like you. So the way people obsess over their equipment or mm -hmm. their white belt or their visor and they never spend the time to think about like their golf course that they play all the right. time. Why, why is it that architecture is so easily overlooked? Uh, it's a phenomenal question. I'm actually kind of started another uh, book. I haven't done one in a while on golf architecture, and it's, it's really tackling this question. And I think that it, it is uh, a combination of some of the things we've already discussed, just the, the, what the, the sport has exuded. Part of it is that most of the best golf course design is behind gates and very hard to access. It's unfortunately a lot of it's wasted on on uh, <laughs> people who don't appreciate it. So that's been a, a bummer at times. And uh, I think like any kind of thing that people pursue uh, as a as a as a hobby, as a passion, as a as a side uh, interest, there has been a, a little bit of. Um, maybe a snob element that, that deters people. But even all that said, it's still bizarre because uh, I've written books about this, that it's, it's, to me, it's the, 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 it's the most interesting art form of all on the, on the planet because uh, a beautiful golf course is, is really a work of art when you see it constructed a certain way and you understand what went into it. Uh, but then it's the one 
that I can think of, uh, and I really don't know of any other, where it's 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 you can go into the the equivalent of a of a museum and look at this beautiful masterpiece of a painting, and then you get to step into it and enjoy that landscape. You know, you go to a museum and you look at a Monet. Well, you don't get to step into uh, the, the the garden there and enjoy the, the the water lilies and and the scene and the and the beautiful air and walk around. Um, so it's something that we probably don't highlight enough. Uh, we're trying, and I think that's what's been exciting of late about where we've gone is that that people are thinking of fresh ways uh, to, to to use drones and show golf courses. These how incredible they are as works of art and how beautiful they are to look at and and then what goes into the thinking of them but it's still a mystery because when you look at the people who are golfers they love wine they love uh cars uh they have opinions on um coffee <laughs> run very very deep and yet uh when you when you hear them talk about golf courses their opinions tend to they they may spout the same kind of nonsense, but you realize pretty quickly who who's given it a little bit of thought or done a little homework. That is so cool. I never thought about walking into the water lilies if I was looking at a Monet, right? Yeah, and, right. I mean, that's just that is so cool. I mean, you just totally took me through the kaleidoscope right there. I mean, that was um, that was really neat. All right, so did you did you start to see those things on your own, or was there a mentor or someone that said, "Hey, Jeff, take a look, take a look at this, like really take a look at this"? Uh, yeah, I had a couple. Well, I had a few things in my, in my life. For some reason, I was one of those those kids, and there there are several. Uh, I mean, I've met one kid who loved to draw golf holes, and nobody in his family played golf. He's now a great college golfer. Um, and, and I got to meet him cause he liked one of my books. I was one of those kids who draw, drew a lot of golf holes, uh, without really playing the game. And, and it happens a lot. Tiger Woods did it. There's a, one of his, some of his old drawings. And so I, I had some sort of instinct uh, very early on that was, uh, kind of untapped. And then my, my dad was a golfer and, um, uh, he joined Riviera here in Los Angeles when I was 16 and I was beginning to really get into it. And he had bought the book of George Thomas, the golf architect, one of the great books. And it was just kind of from there. I just got into it. Well, there's no doubt that dads can be great mentors. You know, I mean, so that, I mean, in many ways, that's the the perfect answer to that as far as opening your eyes and then uh, all of those other different factors coming together. I'm getting the high sign right here. This is live radio. So I, I've got to take a quick break. Could you hold on for a second, Jeff? We'll be back in just a moment. Sure, Keith. All right. Thank you. Well, folks, it's 3.20 p.m. here in Princeton. Uh, thanks for listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Be back in a moment with more from golf's renaissance writer, Jeff Shackelford. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals, so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Once again, Keith Stewart. 
Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. You have a little L.A. theme going today with our songs, our music, in honor of our guest. One of my favorites, nothing better than a little Calypso drum to set the mood for a great weekend ahead. Have fun this weekend, folks. Stay safe, take care, and take care of one another. Turn it up, Wade. Well, we just made the turn and about to begin the back nine with Jeff Shackelford. Jeff, you are an expert on the world of golf course architect George Thomas. This past December, I had the opportunity to play Los Angeles Country Club's North Course. How was Thomas able to make this course so memorable? Well, uh, a number of things. Obviously, it's it's memorable in part because of uh, some things he had nothing to do with, which is uh, it's in the middle of the, the city, and it will be unbelievable on television in 2023, I think, when people see it in the U.S. Open and have never seen it. It's uh, a little like playing golf in Central Park, um, which may sound familiar to you, but it, it, it's it's just a spectacular property. It's probably valued at about uh, $4 billion, and um, it's uh, a course he took and redesigned he was a member there and came from 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 your neck of the woods to grow better roses in Southern California. He he was a man of many many uh, talents. He was a great deep sea fisherman. Wrote books about that and uh, wrote arguably uh, the best book on golf architecture. And he uh, was a very good player and and loved his uh, rose hybridizing, but uh, was just a a brilliant guy when he got together with another architect named Willie. Uh, Billy Bell, William P. Bell, and uh, redesigned this course after he'd done Riviera, where the, the tour plays every year, and just had a lot of, uh, of uh, well, he just had a, a kind of, I always think of, uh, try to think of filmmaker analogies. You know, they're great directors who who know how to make something that's got some resonance and, and that's, that's deep, but also is commercial that everybody can enjoy uh, the first time through, you know, a uh, a Godfather or a Steven Spielberg film, and 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 he had that ability that that any golfer can go and just be know they're somewhere special. Uh, but the more they played the course, they liked it even more, and that not many architects could pull that off. It was just such an interesting walk and in what he did. And I know you're such a fan of classic golf course architecture. What do you think? And you touched on it there. What do you think that this golf course will play like? Um, you brought it up. The 2023 U.S. Open is going to be played there. What is that experience going to be like for the players? Well, it's going to be so different than other U.S. Opens because so few players will know much about the course. And that in itself is uh, different. You know, it'll just be what's what I think people will love is it's just this ancient looking course. Even though we read it, all the bunkers, we tried to make them look old in the middle of the city with all these uh, with just probably the best set of par threes, I think, on the planet, just in their variety and and the and the uh, number of things you'll see happen on them. And that alone, to me, is what makes the place uh, or will make it really stand out. They had the Walker Cup there in 2017 and the and the par threes really uh, were were kind of incredible to sit on and watch uh, the fun stuff that happens. 
Now, folks, if you're just joining us, we're with Jeff Shackelford on the line here. And you just said it there. You said we worked on the bunkers a couple of years ago. Now, I know you partnered up with Gil Hance. When I interviewed Gil, he said that when he starts to look at a new design, he talks about how the holes are found. Yeah. amongst the land, right? And he's he's very big on that. When you design a hole, and you talked about sketching them when you were a kid, do you believe that holes are found? How do you go through that development process? I, I want to pick your brain on that. Yeah, we Gil and I have the same philosophy uh, in terms of that, in terms of trying to find things and and then work off of those. Where we differ a little bit is I tend to then say, all right, well, let's let's come up with something on paper that's really got an airtight, interesting strategy. But then when we start building it, we adjust. He, he likes to just find it and then just go build it. And the reason it's important to, to find what's there, if you've got good ground, which Rustic Canyon was the most amazing ground I could ever dream of getting to spend a lot of time on. And Gil let me just go out there and, and find holes um, because there was all this cool stuff going on. And uh, you want to find those things. And because golfers detect naturalness, they detect something, they, they, they will play any kind of shot, even a blind shot or something with a weird, quirky element to it. If in their minds, they believe that's what Mother Nature created and it was just sitting there and we mowed down the, 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 the grass to make it uh, and put turf in and some irrigation and, and went. You know, that's what, why the St. Andrews grew and became beloved. When the golfer senses that some guy sat behind a desk and came up with these stupid ideas and rearranged the planet Earth uh, to mess with their game, they don't like it. They resist it. And that's really the essence of the difference between a course that ages well and is loved by golfers, even if it's a little quirky, uh, versus one that people believe is manufactured and, and fake. That's a great way of putting it because there's so many times I've thought about that and I've played something like, let's say, TPC Sawgrass, and I didn't really get it as much as if I go out and I play like a Core Crenshaw layout, you know, or like Boston Golf Club or yep. or here, here at Springdale. You know, I mean, William Flynn didn't run around with a bulldozer and he took the lay of the land. And there's some places where you get uneven lies in the fairway and, and that's the charm. And that's what makes golf interesting. And, you know, we're just about to run out of time here, Jeff. And one of the things that we like to do that is, uh, quote unquote, interesting is that my fans love a little rapid fire Q&A. And it's their way of getting to know the guest just a little bit better. And, folks, uh, we're on the line here with Jeff Shackelford. And if you want to follow him, you can follow him at jeffshackelford.com, his blog. It's been around for almost 20 years. And I guess you and 70,000 other people can go follow him on Twitter as well or see him on the Golf Channel. So, Rapid fire Q and A. You up for this, Jeff? Sure. Why not? I have a terrible memory, so don't don't make me work too hard. Here we go. Uh, who's your favorite Los Angeles athlete of all time? Hmm. Probably Magic Johnson. Just when I think of somebody who I, I I just there was just although Fernando Mania was kind of incredible here too. <laughs> are you are you a dew sweeper or a vampire? Oh, totally a vampire. On, on a scale of one to ten, rate your grammar ability. Uh, it's about a five best concert you ever saw. Oh boy. That's I've seen a lot of great ones. I'll tell you, I, the last concert I just saw before we shut everything down was a group called Keen played here in Los Angeles. I'd never seen them. I'd wanted to see them forever. And they were, they were just unbelievable. And the name of sports business leader you'd love to have lunch with. 
Uh, probably Adam Silver right now. He's about the only commissioner that I, I feel like uh, has good gut instincts and good business instincts. If you could pick an author to write your biography, who would it be? Uh, Michael Bamberger is a phenomenal writer in, in golf. I uh, I just love what he does and brings a certain wit and also a, a certain intelligence that uh, nobody else really is doing right now. What do you miss the most during quarantine? Uh, probably restaurants, outdoor dining, although that's kind of coming back. I, I, I do miss, I really miss restaurants. <laughs> All right. One last one. When you hear the word architect, who is the first person that comes to mind? Uh, we're, we're in golf, right? I assume. No, nope. I mean, uh, I'll, no, any, any kind of architect. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I still go with, with a golf architect, probably Alistair McKenzie, just because he's sort of the guy that everybody in golf wants to know more about. Well, Jeff, you are the guy that I wanted to get to know more. So I can't thank you enough for being on Springdale golf live today. Um, really appreciate you taking the time. Okay, Keith. Thank you. Oh, wait, I, I tell you something. I really enjoyed that. Uh, what a special guest today. Really big thanks to Jeff for spending the time with us. And uh, you know who else I got to thank? I got to thank those special sponsors of ours. That's TaylorMade Golf, New Jersey Golf Foundation, and B Dratty, Fairway and Green, Zero Restriction, EP New York. We know them better as Semic Golf Brands. Of course, FH Wadsworth. Now, before I turn you over to my Fox Sports colleague, Doug Gottlieb, folks, the PGA Tour starts up next week. So, the word to those folks down there in Ponte Vedra Beach, let's make that comeback better than the setback. We're all excited for the PGA Tour, and I'm excited to have you on the board there, Wade Weezer. Thanks for all you do, and thanks to the Springdale Board of Governors for all they do to support us. I appreciate Troon Golf Management, and most importantly, all of you folks, my listeners. So I'm heading to Springdale, but where are you headed? So let the tower be your guide. From New York to Philadelphia, and of course, everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale day. This has been Springdale Golf Live with Keith Stewart. Keith returns to the team next Friday afternoon at 3 on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey.